What's up, everybody? This is your boy, John Patrick, and I am excited about you being on with us tonight. We have um, a great show planned for you guys, and um, so I hope you are ready to kick this off and ask all of your questions. So make sure you go and get in the comment section so you can join in the conversation and we can answer any question that you have here tonight because we are about to go there. So ladies, I hope you didn't come with your feelings on your shoulder because uh, yeah, Jonathan, he's gonna break it down. So I'm really excited about having him on the show and a little bit of transparency. He is my cousin. And I'm really proud to say that because this guy is phenomenal. And yeah, so let's go ahead and bring him on in here. I ain't going to hold you up, guys. Hold you up on that. So let's bring him on in here. What up, Jay? What up? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. I, you know, for this topic, you are the perfect dude for it. And once we get into it, they'll understand why I say you're the perfect guy. But hey, I'm gonna let you tell them about you. I didn't want to miss anything. So you just this dope dude. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Y'all like long walks in the park. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, at the end of the day, man, you know, I'm a roundaway guy. I'm from, you know, Marion, grew up in Marion. You know, my father's a pastor, joined the military, did four years in the Air Force, got out, uh, went to college at uh, University of Central Missouri. Then I had plans of working for the government, but God had different plans and called me to ministry and yeah. um, went to Southwestern Seminary, graduated from Southwestern, spent some time pastoring, senior pastoring at a church and planted a church. And as well, being on staff at one, uh, then later decided that I needed to get a Ph.D. So I went and got a Ph.D. in education with an emphasis in curriculum and instruction. And then some kind of way I ended up in higher education, serving as the dean of catalog and curriculum operations. So, man, I got a very eclectic background from government, military, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm trying to be a dope dude. Oh, no, man, you ain't even got to try because you automatically that. So <laughs> so you were in the military and then but you missed one thing. I mean, I know all your frat brothers that's out there looking. You didn't mention yeah. nothing about the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're uh, part of. Yeah, man, I uh, I saw the light and uh, <laughs> and recognize that uh, being number one is better than any other thing. So I decided to join Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Okay, uh, number one, yeah. you say. Okay, yeah, we'll, right. we'll we'll go with that. That's right. <laughs> we'll go with that. So, and you said that at one time you were senior pastoring at a place. How long did you do that before you I did. went into well, education? Um, upon graduating from seminary, I was at a predominantly, which is which is real funny, predominantly white church in Arlington, in which I was over all their Christian education, about fifteen thousand member church. Then I left from there and pastored a church in uh, downtown Fort Worth for about 10 years. Um, went from there and planted. And then that brings us into the conversation as we'll, as we'll talk about more. Tried to save my marriage, was in a marriage that ended in a divorce that I, that I didn't want. Um, left from there uh, while I was still doing my PhD. Oh, and wow. Transition later on. I went, we'll talk about that even more, I think, doing that PhD through the perspective of going through a divorce kind of kept me grounded. Mm -hmm. You know, the reality is that divorce is rough, whether it's one person's fault, the other person's fault or both people's fault, it's still rough. And so I really tell people all the time that doing that PhD 
kept me grounded in times that I was kind of alone. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you said you went from pastoring a church to planning a church. How was that transition? And I know that's not what we're here to talk about tonight, but how was that transition going from a church that's already established to planting your own church? Right, right. The church that I established, you know, is different than just established. These folk, I think the average age was like 70, 70 years old in the church. Oh, and so wow. at, at the time, you know, I was in my 30s. And so, um, you know, churches that old, they had a rich history and a rich past that they could not escape from. Hmm. And the perspective of what they thought would grow members and grow church had been so antiquated. It's a different time. And so what's very interesting about older churches, particularly when they find pastors that are young, they don't expect pastors to be 20, 30s, young 40s. And so when I think about it, they maybe got on my nerve and I got on theirs too. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I, I felt like God was calling me to plant. And so I left from there um, to plant a church. And the church did pretty good. You know, in the first six months, we had about 80 people coming to church. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it did. It did really good. Um, and then a whole bunch of crazy crap happened. Right. Yeah. Right. That and that's true. Today. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's church. And, you know, but like you said, we'll definitely get into it. So yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go ahead and get on to that. So, Jay, I'm going to ask you first, like, what is the role of a man, according to the Bible? Because, you know, we have single Christian ladies out here watching it and they all want to say, well, I want a Christ-like man. I want a Boaz, you know. So what is the role of a man, according to the Bible, in a relationship or a marriage? What is his role? Um, I think from a biblical perspective, when you take passages like, you know, Ephesians 5, um, uh, particularly when you deal with uh, verse 25 on... And then when you look at Genesis and things of that nature, you see the man playing a, a, a gambit of roles. You see him in the role of leader. You see him in the role of servant. You see him in the role of sacrificer. You see him in the role of um, spiritual head of his home. All those dynamics are included to what a, a good husband is. But I think sometimes we show a picture that satisfies an earthly perspective, but does not satisfy the whole objective. Such as, we'll hear husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that whole Ephesians chapter five perspective. And all of that, you know, we love it. We love it as, oh, he's supposed to love your wife. He's supposed to sacrifice for his wife. He's supposed to do all that kind of thing. But I don't really think, it, I don't really think we pay attention to the broader scope of Husbands, love your wives. Here's the example as Christ loved the church. And oftentimes we see the picture of Christ loving the church as, you know, the one on the cross and died for our sins, which he has. Right. Uh, you know, you know, the old folk in churches were saying, Jesus, oh, what a wonderful child. So lowly, meek and mild. But there's times in scripture where you see Jesus giving real truth. You see Jesus whipping folk out the church. You see Jesus telling a woman, I mean, basically put, handling her, saying, yeah, and the place that your husband that you with right now ain't your own either. You see Jesus in a position of soft, yes, and loving, yes, and instruction, yes. But you also see Jesus saying things that are countercultural also. 
that yeah. go against the grain, that make people very uncomfortable. But he's not doing it for just some casual perspective. He's trying to lead you to a more righteous perspective. And if the husband is supposed to be the head of his home and function in a life like Christ, that means that sometimes the things that a husband has to say to shift the trajectory of the family to Christ has to be some things that may be uncomfortable to hear. Maybe some things that 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 don't feel good, but it's right. Maybe yeah. be some things that are that are kind of against the culture, but it's but it's perfect for the family to look more like Christ. Now, mind you, that doesn't mean that he's Ike Turner. Because, you know, you got some of these brothers on the other end. Woman, you say, do what I do, say what I say, because I'm the head of the church. I'm the head of you, and you're supposed to be submitting and shut up, do what I... Eh, come on, dude. You, you, you out of control. Yeah. But that perspective of really living a life like Christ, that doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean you're pushing to be consistent, which is totally different than perfect. Okay. So... Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. And then you lead in your family out of that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So as a man that has been married, you know, you've been married and then now you're dating. So do you think women have unrealistic expectations of men and particularly Christian men? Do you think they have unrealistic expectations? I think it goes from both. But since the concept of, of women that you asked in that concept, I don't really know if they have a proper expectation. I don't really think that I don't really think that Christian married people give single people a fuel a full view of what marriage looks like and how you should find a mate for a man looking for a woman or how a woman should find a mate looking for a man. And so because of that what we often do is have worldly approaches to stuff with just biblical overtones to it. Mm. So we'll say stuff like, well, I want him to love, I want him to love the Lord. What does that look like? I want him to go to church. Well, you know, there's people in church that's just as hellish as people that's not. Exactly. Exactly. And then we'll say things like, well, he need to make this amount of money. Well, you know, statistics share, particularly with black men, that some black men don't move into that upper epsilon six figures and above till they get older. So if you in your 20s, 25, 26, when I was 25, 26, I was not making six figures. And some of my boys weren't making that either. Yeah. Um, he need to have his own house. He need to have his own home and it need to look like this. So some of those things, I think, is a combination between, yeah, we want so they want someone righteous, but then just a worldly perspective that's involved in it that often leads them into confusion. But men fall into that same category, too. Yeah. 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 And, and and you said something pretty interesting earlier about married people give, you know, I guess not the full picture of what marriage is. But normally right. in the church is married people that lead singles ministries. Yeah. And they're the yeah. ones who lead singles ministry. And of course, they paint the, the beautiful and they may paint a little ugly. They may show a little ugly of marriage, but they don't give the full scope of marriage. You know, when they're giving, when they're talking to the singles, why do you think they don't do that? Because I think if, if the goal of the ministry is to equip people to, and I guess it's not to get married, but in case you do get married, right. these are the principles and this is, why do you think they keep some of that stuff out? 
because church has not always been a safe place for people to bear their burdens and tell the reality of what it is. And so it's easier for the married couple to say, yeah, you got to be righteous and you got to be holy. But it's but it sounds cliche to say, look, we struggled in our singleness not to have sex or to be honest and say, yo, we, we had some times we messed up and we had some sex while we was together. Or we weren't even trying not to have sex. Oh, we weren't even trying not to. We was going full in the paint. We just didn't tell nobody. We're going full blast. We ain't going to let nobody know. <laughs> but we're going to tell everybody else to be righteous. We won't be honest and tell each, each other, man, we had arguments. That was knockout dragouts. Yeah. We, we, didn't, we don't tell each other that we had times like two weeks ago that I just told her, I'm done with you. I'm out. Yeah. So we, we, and that's not just in the concept of marriage, that's a relationship, that's across the board. So if church doesn't become a safe place where you can really be exposed, then how can you expect single people to really ask the tough questions? Yeah. I remember one yeah. time I was at this church and I was doing this internship when I was in seminary. And this dude, so funny, man, this guy, I'll never forget it. He was, and he was, uh, he worked, he was an attorney, young attorney, right? And he said, man, riddle me this. He said, let me be honest. He says, most men that I know that are married, they're miserable. They can't tell their wives how they feel. Uh, they ain't having sex, so they got married to practice celibacy. He mm. said, then what's, the what's the purpose of getting married? I'm going to just stay single and go ahead and have a good time. Because at least I can put them on rotation. Or if one mm. get mad, I can go off for something else. And I'll never forget that conversation because the response that was given was so churchy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Pass them across the head, this and this and, and you not this and the, the Bible asked this. But the dude asked a real question. And his question was deeper than the, just the idea of just staying single so I can knock a whole bunch of women down. It was the perspective of, okay, how do I be married when I don't see too many men in my circle that are married and happy? that are married and, and enjoying sexual relationship, that are married and have someone they can talk to. So what it teach, work me through that. Help me to look what that looks like. And so sometimes we church doesn't, it doesn't be, it's not the safe place where people can ask those real questions that are not surfaced. Yeah. You know, we always, Jesus will fix it after a while. But what happens what happens to the couple that you're trying to do the right thing? They're going to church. They're being holy. They're doing date night and G and it ain't working. So then what is Jesus not a fixer? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So as a guy that has been married and you yeah. were married kind of young, you were married, yeah. you know, during your thirties and all the other kind of stuff. So was married. 30s, 30. <laughs> yeah. Fresh yeah. So 29. <laughs> was marriage everything you thought it was going to be? Was it everything your wife thought it was going to be? Or your ex-wife now? Was it everything you guys thought it was going to be? Well, obviously it ended in divorce, so heck no, it wasn't everything that we thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Divorce, heck no, it everything you thought it would be, man. You know what? Um, that's a powerful statement you had. And I want you to hear me when I say this, because it's real. Um, I told one of my, account I've never said this before until, other than to my best friend. 
you know, I came from a seminary background, theological trained background. And so the perspective is always to have a biblical worldview, right? So you live Christ out functionally in your life. Okay. So I knew there were some things that I needed to do in my marriage to make it work. So some things we did, I made sure that we had date night at least two to three times a month. I made sure that we had family time every week. Um, I um, helped her through her undergrad, helped her through her master's. Um, even while I was doing PhD work, I laughed to myself. There was times I was writing papers and, and editing and writing hers too. Because I, I felt that as her husband, it was my role to make sure I help her be her best self. Um, and that ultimately that would help the relationship and help us and help the marriage. Um, yeah. I loved her as best as I could for Christ loved the church. I was faithful to her, loved her and all this kind of stuff. So later, as we started having marital problems and things of that nature, I, obviously I thought to myself, well, let's go to counseling. Let's do counseling. But it seemed like the counseling wasn't working. And, you know, you understand that counseling doesn't work unless you work what the counselor is sharing with you. And then it ultimately ended to the perspective of I don't want to be married. So it rocked my theology in practice because I thought that if I would do these things, that the end result would just naturally happen because the Lord would take care of it all. Mm. Now, mind you, this doesn't mean that God wasn't in the business, that he wasn't working and things of that nature. It just lets you know even the more what Paul says, work out your salvation, dude. That you're saved and God loves you, but you got to work out your own salvation, meaning that you got to work your marriage, both people. You have to work at your relationship, both people. And if that was one of the biggest things that I learned is that now we in theory know that's the reality that you got to work it. But oftentimes you get this picture that if you're just, okay, I open up my Bible. This is what it says. Okay. If I do ABC, then the end result will be Shangri-La. And when it wasn't, it rocked me for a while. Yeah. Okay. So we got a question for you, Jay. Yeah. So it says, can you talk about the ideal of marriage um, in the reality? I feel some people are in love. I can't even see here. The ideal of marriage, but don't understand what it takes to make a marriage work. Right, 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 right. I like that. I like that question that they ask. But I think I think I know what she is meaning by that. But I think our functional approach has to be a little bit different. Marriage is the reality. And in the reality of marriage, you're going to have disagreements because you're two different people from two different backgrounds. Even though even though you have backgrounds that may be similar, you still got different family structures that, and all that perspective. And all of us recreate where we come from. Good, bad, ugly, everything. So the reality is that you'll have conflict. But you have to, nothing's wrong with the conflict. It's how you handle it. No one really tells you how to handle it. Because in our singleness, who teaches us conflict resolution? We didn't really have to have conflict resolution. This person getting on my nerve. I'm going, okay, whatever. And I'm going to shut it down in the conversation. And if we have too many times like that, I'm about to shut this relationship all the way off. Yeah. But in marriage, you can't do that. You have to learn conflict resolution. You're going to have to learn what sacrifice means, right? Sacrifice may mean um, 
we think sacrifice means I want to watch the game and she want to spend time so I ain't going to watch the game. No. Sacrifice may be um, I'm moving to a new state to a new job. I'm the breadwinner of my home. How do I handle that? Do I leave and bring her with me? Do we come together? What if she says no? How do you handle that? Um, it's so much more than just the, the perspective. So the idea of falling in love with someone and wanting to be married and things of that nature, I think that's okay. I think it's all right to be in love and the idea of that. But marriage has to be the reality. We don't share it as reality. We share it as you got this marriage, you got this reality. I don't see that. I see marriage and reality as one. And so the marriage has to know how do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with tough times? How do you deal with sacrifice? How do you deal with leading to the home? How do you deal with submission in the right way? How do you deal with turmoil with family? How do you deal with when you got, you know, mother-in-laws and father-in-laws that don't like the, the spouse? How mm. you deal with that? How do you deal with the perspective of if one of y'all gets sick and you can't work? How do you deal with the fact that one of y'all might get sick or something might be injured and you can't have sex? These are realities. And when you talk about marriage, you cannot exclude that away from life. Yeah. And some realities you don't know up front, some realities right. you just grow into, just like how you used the example of like, if you get hurt and you're disabled where you right. can't have sex, that's not something you can plan for, no. nor can you equip yourself to handle that situation. Yeah. You just have to deal with it as it comes. But right. you did say something very, very interesting that I think a lot of people overlook when they're dating. And I, I, I say it's four birthdays that matter in the individual. There's the birthday of the mother, there's the birthday of the father, there's the individual birthday, and then there's the birthday when they actually come into themselves. Because people really don't understand that right. you are, like you, like you said, you are your household, you are right. your family. Right. How you were brought up, how your mother was brought up, and right. how your dad was brought they merged their upbringing and put it on you. Right. So it's like a lot of people don't think about that when they are dating people. They just start dating and then they fall in love with the individual. And then when you get married to the person, then you're dealing with the reality of their upbringing, their issues, generational curses. Right, right. Here, here's something amazing about that. We often talk about being unequally yoked, but I don't think we deal in that perspective of unequally yoked and really looking through that when it has to do with dating. You know, oftentimes, you know, in, in scripture, we don't see this concept of dating. We don't see that. That We don't. What we do see is that families get together and they say, I got this daughter. She dope. I got this son. She dope. We come from the same background. Let's go ahead and put us together. Right. Arranged marriages. But there is something that we can take in our dating relationship that comes from that. And that is this. What does this person's family background look like? Now, here's where it gets raw. And this doesn't mean that single parents and all this kind of stuff don't take that. I don't want anyone to take that perspective that he said, I come from a single parent home. I'm whack. Uh-uh. Because -uh, I know you can come from dual parent homes and be whack too. The reality yeah. is um, you want to find someone that has the same family structure and family dynamic as you have. If you grew up in a, if if for you, you know us, John, we grew up in the church. Church was important yeah. for if you find someone that yeah, they really don't think of church like that, they love the Lord, but they, they don't have that kind of passion, that could be a problem. It can. 
if you come from a home background that you guys are communicators and you talk through issues and you work things out, but the other one goes through a situation where they're like, well, you know, we just went to all other rooms. And then as time went on, we came back, act like everything's okay. That's, that's going to be problematic. If one grew up in a household where they never saw their father as being a leader, as loving their family and things of that nature, and, you know, they got Ike Turner tendencies, not in the sense of beating, but just what I got to say is how it's going to go. And the other one comes in a home where there's more of an inclusive type of perspective, where there's a lot of collaborating and things of that nature and working it out. Yes, there may be headship, but still from that perspective, it will be very difficult. So you have to be honest with this is who I am. This is where I come from. This is what I believe in. This is what makes me who I am. So let me find someone that matches who I am, like a round peg in a round hole, rather than finding a person that I might be a round peg and their peg may look round-ish mm. and it doesn't fit. But if I cut some places off on myself, then I can make it fit. That's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't have to adjust yourself to make somebody else fit into no, your no, situation. No. That's where a lot of relationships go right. wrong. Go bad. If they don't go fit. Bad. Yeah. You got to yeah. let it go. You got to let then, it go. What happens with a person that is from a different family background than yours? Here's the key. Are they do they see it within themselves? And are they willing to make change? So that's the difference. Yeah. That means you will you have a growth mindset. You grew up in a family, there was a whole bunch of yelling and hollering and cussing. And you just say to yourself, that's not that's not the kind of vibe I want to have. And that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. I have a total conviction away from that. Yeah. So it's about really exploring. We'll spend more time buying a, a vehicle than we do sometimes in our relationships. And I'm not just saying that I'm, my, my own perspective. I didn't explore those things when I first got married like I should have. I saw the red flags, but made allowances for it. Mm. You know, maybe maybe it's me. Go ahead. No, why do you think you did that? Why do you think you made allowances for the red flags? Because I was one, I was thinking to myself, maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being too unrealistic. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we can balance between, we wrestle between um, is this what it really is, or am I making it? a mole out of a, 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 you know, a mountain out of a molehill. And so I did that a lot. And I wasn't honest to sit back and say, no, dude, this is what you're really experiencing. Yeah. What it really is. And here it is. When you get married, if those things are not fixed in your singleness, you ain't going to get married and put a ring on it. And then everything goes away. It's going to get worse. Yeah. So if you got bad conversation and bad conflict resolution or this person, has issues with their mouth, issues with their attitude, nasty, not caring. That stuff don't go away when you get married. Yeah. It gets worse. Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm glad you said that you made allowances for the red flags because I think a lot of times that's always perceived to be a woman's thing. That yeah. women make allowances for men. They see the red flags and they make allowances for it. But no, men see these same red flags yeah. in women yeah. and they overlook them thinking that hey, she's going to outgrow it. She's going to become better. She's right. going to do all of that, which leads us into a good question from somebody. Um, so that question is, 
in helping your ex-wife to be her best self, were you also doing the same for yourself? Yeah, I did. I did. I think that's um, I think that would be very condescending with trying to help in the perspective of her being the best self, and I don't grow either. Um, I think a marriage has to grow together, and then you have to grow separately. Mm. And so um, here is a word that is useful, but you know, in black context, we don't do a whole bunch of this and that is therapy. You know, my mother by trade is a clinical social worker, you know, so she would always say the crazy folk are the folk that don't get counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is so straight. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not too, I'm not too uh, up on myself to believe that I ain't had stuff within me that I had to deal with as well. So always. Um, And then, too, I think just I don't know, it's just something innate within myself. I always wanted to be a better person. So I'm always looking for I always have looked for even I was young. What can I do to be a better me? What can I do to be a better person? Yeah, Uh, it is really selfish to say, well, you need to get better, but I don't. And so, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I I think you said something really good. They have to work to be better together, but also be work to be better separately too. And a lot of times people don't believe you're supposed to do that in marriage. They believe that once you become one, everything is done together. And that is a misconception that's ruining a lot of relationships, whether it's dating, marriage or whatever. No, you got to still put in the work for yourself so you can be the best version of yourself in that relationship, but you still got to work on that relationship and being your best version in that too. That's because we make marriage like this mystified you know, this overly mystifying thing. Yeah. But if you strip all the things away, you're a team. Yeah. If You know, I've, I, I watched this thing with uh, Kobe Bryant, this muse with Kobe, and he talked about, someone was saying how many, how many shots he shot by himself. Now, obviously, Kobe Bryant didn't win those championships by himself. Right. But he put in the work to make himself a better player so that the team can work well together. And that's what we don't get in marriage. We just be like, well, we do it together and everything works good. Well, yeah, but you have to put in the work to make yourself your best self as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And hold on, Jay, we got another question for you. Oh. You spit out some truth here, man. So how about adjusting versus compromising? What do you feel is the difference? In singleness or in marriage? I'll talk let's about talk both. Yeah, let's talk both. Um, I think one compromising, I think compromising has, when you think of compromising, this is what I think of. I don't know if it's the right definition or whatnot, but when I think of compromising, um, I think of those things that have to deal with core things that make me who I am. My faith, my belief system, those things that are core to the dynamic that makes Jay who Jay is. Those kind of things I cannot compromise. Yeah. Because that's the fabric of who I am. If I'm a Christian, if I'm a believer and I want to live my life and have my home in a way that's honoring God, I cannot compromise that. So in the perspective of dating relationships, if there's some things about their lifestyle that is totally different than mine, I got to let them go. Or if they choose to let me go, I got to look at that as a blessing and be like, thank you. I dodged the bullet on that, Bama. Okay. And so be let's, good with it. 
And let's talk a little bit about that because that yeah. I think that is a challenge for anybody. You know, when you get in a relationship and you love the person that you're with. Now you've been in there for a long time and then you find out because you know, in the very beginning, you don't see all the things, you don't see all the red flags because we send our representatives, you know, right. they show up. We don't see a lot of these signs until a year after dating this person. Right, and right, then you're right. too deep into it to just like walk away from it. So what do you do? in those type of situations because it's not you do you sit around and that's when you pray that god changes her or changes him you know because it's not that easy to just say okay you're not who god who i want to be so i'm out of here what do you think about that i have never saw a sports team recruit or hire a player off of potential in which they do not have but I've always seen a team take a player that is functionally working and you can see that they're grinding and you can see the growth potential in their lives. Sometimes I think in relationships, we do the latter that I said first. Well, the first thing that we said, we look at this person and we say, but they have the potential to do well. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But what are they functionally doing right now? that makes the possibility of growth on top of that more for you to engage into. I think that's a big thing. And then the other thing too is, I don't think we pay close enough attention to ourselves, but we ask ourselves the tough questions. Because sometimes people are in relationships with people that they know they should get rid of, but their loneliness has put them in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Or or this person does things for them. You know, they buy them stuff. They take them on expensive trips. They do all those kind of things. I remember when I first started dating the lady that I've been with right now for three years, I told her from the front, I just want to let you know. Well, hold on, hold on. We're going to stop right there because I yeah. already know they out there saying three years. God ain't told him by now. <laughs> Oh, look, they done logged off now. Forget yeah, this. They done logged off three years. Three years? <laughs> Good Lord. But I, I want to answer the other question, the other perspective that she said of adjusting. I think adjusting is the perspective of recognizing how, how can we come with a win-win situation? Yeah. How can I make sure that this person, that uh, I'm not being selfish in this in this perspective? And then I'm thinking for the team and not just myself. Now, I do want to let folk know, though, when you're single, you need to be watching out for the best interests of yourself, though. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're selfish. That means you're wise. Because when you get married, there is a whole different strategy and approach that you have to take. But while you're in the dating and courting phase, you need to figure out if this person and you are compatible on every level and yeah. be honest yeah hope that answers the question yeah and and i think too and i heard sarita jake say this one time she said we date the potential but we marry the reality right and 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 people have to be very very careful when they're dating people because they see potential in them just because you see potential doesn't mean they're necessarily going to reach that destination so you got to say to yourself am i willing to live with this person 
that they are today because potential is you prophetically speaking that they're going to become this right that's not what they are you're going to marry right. who they are right now right. so you have right. to ask yourself can i live with this for the rest of my life right 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 and then don't be um don't don't get all caught in the in the sugary glaze i had a friend of mine she told me this statement she said i i i, I decided on this time not to be caught in the sugary glaze i said what do you mean she said, you know, I was dating these guys. They would take me on these nice restaurants. They would take me to these nice places. They would take me all this kind of thing. And it made me feel special. And they thought I was doing, they was doing something because they was taking me here on trips and buying me the Louis Vuitton for birthdays and just because stuff and all this kind of stuff. And every one of the relationships was whack. And she said, you know what I decided to do in the other, the next relationship I got involved in? And I said, what is that? She said, I was going to focus on getting to know their character and them getting to know mine. And the way that I did it was, it's going to be controversial, right? She said, when it had to do with dates, they paid for theirs. I paid for mine. Oh, no. God ain't told her that. That's what they said out there in their uh, chat box. God ain't told her that. Let me tell you, she said, she said that in doing that, I took away the opportunity for this dude to think that he was, you know, really wooing me to take that all the way out. We're going to do this on an equal playing field. I don't need nothing from you. You don't need nothing from me. Let's get to know each other. Mm. Yeah. And that's a dope ass Daisy right there. So ladies right. out there that's looking, y'all need to take on her perspective and start paying for <laughs> your own stuff. <laughs> Stop making these brothers broke trying to wine and dine. And you ain't got no intentions for this battle. <laughs> so Jay, we got another question for you. What does being submissive look like in a marriage? So in okay, so first I want you to tell us what you believe submissive is. And then also when you were married, did you experience your own definition of submission? It means do what that brother tell you to do. That's what it means. No, I'll just it. just a joke. No, I think I think when we think the word submission, when we look at it from a um from just a natural perspective, is such a bad connotated word. And yeah. many times because the one that we're being submissive to, whether it's a supervisor, whether it's whatever, is not it doesn't come out too well. It looks bad where you're taken advantage of, where you're not valued and things of that nature. But I think from the perspective of marriage, we miss it. It's not just submission. It says, wives, submit unto your husbands. Here's the thing. As to the Lord. See, we miss it. We focus on the part. You need to submit as to the Lord. So the biggest thing is, if she ain't submitting to God, she ain't never going to submit to him. Mm. that up. Mm. If she got issues following the Lord, if she got issues following his word, now mind you, we're not perfect. That's why we follow after the one who is perfect, which is Christ. Perfection and consistency and fight and grind are two different things. This thing about this Christian life is a grind. It's hard. But if you can't submit to your God, you will never submit to your husband. Your husband gets the overflow of what you give to your God. But Jay, they do submit to God. They go to church on Sundays. They pay their tithes. They go to choir rehearsal on Wednesdays. And <laughs> they post a scripture on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook. So they are submitting to God. Ain't that submission? No, I that's, know what, that's what they're thinking. Uh, 
brother, that's going to church on Sunday. That's paying your tithe because you grew up in church and you just knew to pay your tithe. And that's going and putting scriptures and saying you blessed and highly favored. No. What does that really look like in your lifestyle? Do you submit to God enough to watch what you say out your mouth? Do you submit to God enough that if he tells you, no, cut this dude, will you cut him? Do you submit to God when he says, pay, with, with, with scripture, when he talks about um, uh, giving giving of yourself, giving over yourself to others, do you do that? Do Is, is, is Christ really live? Can someone else validate this? Because, you know, you'll say all the time, I'm holy. What's that look like? You'll say all the time, I love the Lord. What does that look like? And that's when we have to make honest inventory with ourselves or have some friends that are close to you that can be honest with you. Thank God. What what would their friends say to them, though? But it depends on what type of friend you have. You have to have authentic friends. I've got some friends that that are honest enough to tell me, hey, man, you're selfish. That's whack. And because, because I know they have my best interest, I pay attention to what they say. That will tell you, Jay, how you handled that was off. Yeah. Or Jay, yeah. how you did that at your office was bad. Change that. Address that. Yeah. Or even someone to tell me, I mean, when I first when I first got divorced, my best friend said, okay, you're in a crucial situation, bro. You gave yourself in a relationship. The end all the relationship didn't work out good. You got two, you got two real, two real past the wall. Either you can try to walk in righteousness and be right and find healing, go get some counseling and some things of that nature and work on you. Or you can let the dog out and be like he was in your BC days. <laughs> and, and 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 that'll feel good for a little bit. Yeah. But uh, time moves by. Birthdays come and go. You'll look up being your 40s and 50s. And you've had this lineup of irresponsible living. And has that really bought you the joy that you're looking for? Not in the idea of looking for a relationship, but just in your own personal life. And you have a son. Is that an example of what you would want him to be? Yeah. Friends that can be honest with you and tell you that's whack. You whack for doing it. Yeah. So that you can do inventory. Because, you know, we lie to ourselves really good sometimes. I'm straight. You're not. Hmm. So, Jay, let me ask you this here. So I know a lot of women are thinking this here. So, you know, they can't find a man in the club nowadays. They can't find a man on, you know, the dating sites. They can't find a man on Instagram. Why in the hell can't they find a good man at the church? They say the men in the church are worse it's, than the men in the club. He's just ratchet the dudes in the club. <laughs> <laughs> Who is training these men in the church? But, but, man, that's that, that's a big thing. I think um, I think a lot of failure that happens in marriage is because the failure of what the church has not done. We have not done a very good job with discipling. We have not been done a very good job with um, making church a safe place. We haven't done a very good job with being brutally honest. We've we've presented this arena of faking it to make it or make it look good on the outside. Yeah. So you'll know you'll see people that look real good on the outside, but <laughs> brother, your cholesterol bad, your everything bad on the inside. Good lord, you're gonna be dead before <laughs> your next birthday. 
So we don't teach people that perspective. And then the other thing, too, for both men and women, the Bible says less about finding the one and more about becoming the one and God bringing both of y'all together at the right time. So should a woman go on a pursuit to look for a man or should they wait for that man to find them? I think sometimes we can be real corny with that perspective and mm-hmm. make it so whack. I'm not going to look. I'm just going to wait for the man to show up. Okay. How's that working for you? That doesn't mean that you need to be chasing these brothers, but you at least need to let, you know, let folk know that you're single. Let folk know and look for the right man and be in good places. Yeah, be in good places. And then okay. focus on the focus on becoming the one. Mm. Let, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about focus on becoming the one. Focus so in your eyesight. Yeah, many of us in our singles, we don't we don't take advantage of the single life. We're supposed to be holy, looking more like Christ, becoming the one in every aspect of our lives, not this superficial. Well, I come to church and I tithe. Does your attitude look Christ-like? Does how you treat people look Christ-like? Does how you serve look Christ-like? Does your Do you Facebook have, news feed look, look Christ-like? Christ-like? Does your Twitter page look twice-like? Yeah. Does your DM that can't nobody else see look Christ-like? Stop playing. It goes down in the DM for real. <laughs> it goes down in the DM. DM. Yes. So is 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 what I'm doing? Am I really becoming the one? Or is these breakups that I'm having, if we've been in relationships and been in breakups, am I even paying attention to some of the reasons and the complaints that the person broke up with me about? Do I even consider it? Jay, you ain't got patience. Okay, do I need to really work on patience? If I've heard that from one person, but I've heard it from three, is that not the worth the check? If a sister yeah. heard your attitude is whack. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I just be honest. I, I'm just telling what's on my mind. Okay, but you could, you'll deliver. I could take three forks meal and have the nice steak and the potatoes and that lobster stuff on top of it and all the fixings and serve it to you on a garbage can. Ain't nobody going to eat that. Yeah. Even though it's the same meal. I mean, three forks done walked out and said, I got your meal and put it on a garbage can. We cussed that waiter out. I need to talk to your manager right now. Why? Because the presentation was garbage. And sometimes how we talk to people sometimes is horrible. Yeah. It ain't no, well, I'm just being honest. You honestly whack. Watch what you say out your mouth. Are those things that we need to work on? Do I need to work on being selfless? Because what is amazing is people be selfish in their singleness and then want to be married in an institution that requires selflessness. It can't even work selfish. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, it's so interesting that, I mean, I think that is so good when you said work on being the one. And yeah. I think that's something that we miss, both men and women, men women. In, in when we're single. We miss yeah. that when we're single. We we think that we're already there. We think because we look good on paper that we are the perfect candidate for anybody. 
And that's not always the case because it goes beyond the paper, whether you have degrees, you have a great job, right. you got a house, right. you got a nice right. bank account. No, at the end of the day, to some people, that doesn't mean anything. They want right. a good person that is compassionate, right. nurturing, you know, that is trustworthy. And some people that look good on paper have none of these things. Right. They have none and of them. Of it, so. And some of it, too, in our singleness, we make church time sometimes make singleness look real whack. Like the perspective of your single life is just so you can get married. Well, that's whack. So, yeah, that's whack. Of course, the idea of, well, you're incomplete until you get married. And so you got all these married ministries and all this kind of stuff. And the single, you know, one is the loneliest number. And you're living like that. Yeah. Not understanding that the idea is how do I make my best self for Christ? Yeah. And what is very interesting is, if you focus on the Lord and make your, yourself the best person that you can be, you don't think God knows that you want to be married? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, you, I mean, that is so true. It's like people, they get caught up in the, the and not blaming, bashing the church and nothing like that. Yeah, but yeah, a yeah. lot of people do not feel they are complete because they haven't gotten married. Right. They have it. They're, they're still single and they're in their 40s. They've never been married. They don't have kids. And the church, I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, singles ministries. I that think that whole ministry need to be revamped. Re, yeah, just need to be That revamped. was mine. That was mine. My first, the first church I was at was a large church. Obviously, I came right from under, well, military to undergrad and then straight into seminary. And I wasn't married. So I came into seminary, I think I had just turned maybe 24, maybe 25. And so I was trying to get through seminary. Seminary is very rigorous. At the end of seminary, I wasn't married. And yeah. so, you know, I had folk that I was on staff with. Well, you're not married? Why you're not married? Somebody even asked me one day, you don't like women? I'm like, dude, yeah, I like women. What's going on? And then all my boys were getting married around me. You know? Yeah. And yeah. if people be honest, they get married for other reasons other than a healthy perspective of relationship. So you yep. get married out of loneliness. You get married because everybody else is getting married. You get married out of pressure. You get married out of sex because you want to have <laughs> sanctioned sex. You get married out of all those things and then get married and then have the connection, have the sex, have all that kind of stuff. And then the marriage has no sense of depth and validity or strength or community or authentic love to it. And now you're like, really? Yeah. Well, now you're married. You, you're single wanting to be married. And then you're married and be like, God, <laughs> you tell folk, don't wait till you get wait before you get married. Yeah. Wow. You know? Wow. So Jay, I mean, our time has come. We're going to have to get you back on here, man, because this was really, really, really good. So what words do you have for single women out there that want to be married? You know, yeah. because are just single women, period, because, I, you know, marriage is not the end goal for everybody. Right, and I right, think that right. some people, some singles are just trying to find happiness in being single. So right. what advice do you have for both the single women who don't want to be married and the single women who do want to be married? What advice do you have for them? Um, single women that don't want to be married. That's fine. If you're single and you don't want to be married, that's OK. Um, but just spend time making yourself the best person you can for Christ. Because at the end of the day, he is the one that we live our lives for. 
and we live our lives chasing after and we live our lives trying to um, should try to emulate. So yeah. work on living your life for Christ, work on and then work on being authentic within yourself. Because whether you're married or single, whether you're single and you want to be married or you're single and you don't want to be married, you still need to be authentic within yourself. Know who you are. Yeah. Um, that same advice goes for those who want to be married one day. Work on yourself. Find you both. Find you a mentor. Someone, uh, you know, and an and, and older sister that is wise, an older sister that you can emulate, an older sister that you see, you've been able to watch how they move and watch how they live, and that will be honest enough where you can ask questions to and about that can help you on this journey. Um, if you're trying to be married, particularly find one that has been married for a while, <laughs> and you can see how she treats her husband and how he treats her, and, 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 and have those conversations, but at the same time, work on yourself. Yeah. Because if we... it's God's plan for you to be married, he's going to line you up anyway. Right. If it is his plan, he's going to line right. it up. So that's what women, because I, I, I had a friend and she used to tell me she believed, and this was maybe 20 years ago when she told me this here. When I said she ain't going to get married, but she told me she believed that it was God's plan and purpose for her to be a wife. And we're, here we are 20 years later and that plan and purpose ain't came to pass. <laughs> but, but, here's the but here's the reality. In that 20 year span, has she really worked on herself? No. There you go. So you have you have commit decommissioned your own self not to be married. <laughs> Just 20 years living it up how you want to live it and be like, well, I'm gonna have God give me a husband. No, your attitude stink, your behavior stink, you don't, you, you know, there's yeah. other dynamics that you haven't worked on. Why would God choose a man that has worked on himself? Not meaning that he's perfect, but has worked on himself for you. You're going to be his headache. Right. God gives husbands to wives. Right. Not homegirls. And right. kids just out here living it up. Right. Hold on. She, uh, so we got another question for you, Jay. Yeah, yeah. So that just came in. Can I work on being the one and be in a relationship with the end goal of marriage? Absolutely. Because when you get married, you my mentor told me this a long time ago. He's been married for about 55 years. He said, son, you date to get married and you're married to date. And while you're single, you're become you're working on becoming the one. And while you're dating, you work on becoming the one. And when you're married, guess what you still do? Work on becoming the one. So the end goal is not marriage. We act like, you know, like you're running 100 yards and you get to you get to the finish line. You'd be like, I'm done. I was married now. I can stop all this. No. You always working on becoming the one because becoming the one is not just for the person that you choose to be married to. Yeah. Becoming the one is for Christ. Yeah. And that may be a question that women need to ask men, like, what type of work are you putting in to be the best version of you? Right. You know? Because I think a lot of times we don't ask that. We don't even think it's necessary. We just come to the table. What do you look like on paper? You right. know, and if you look good on paper, that's good enough for me. And they say that both men and women, we say that we um, we are concerned with the work that people are putting in. But we never ask them like we're not asking them like, 
what work are you putting in to be the best version of you? Like because we're scared. Yeah. If we ask those deep questions that are beyond the surface, that that person may be upset, may be frustrated, and then leave. But but you have to ask those surface questions. Yeah. You know, I really do believe that if you ask people questions about who they are and they get offended or they get bothered, you probably need to let them go. Because mm. if you're settled with who you are, ask. Now, that don't mean from the first date you'd be like, let me tell you, in fifth grade, you know, that one time when I was in band camp, you know, I got this itch on the back of my deck, you know, something crazy like that. But in all seriousness, you want to ask those kind of questions. How was your relationship with your mom? How yeah. was your relationship with your dad? Did you grow up with any siblings? You ask those, you ask, as time goes on, you start asking those deep questions. Because if you don't, it's going to be those same deep questions that you don't ask that when you get married, be the ones that will tear you apart. Yeah. And don't ask the guy these questions like with motives and intentions, trying to catch him, you know, right. whatever. You know, you ask it because you really want to know. You really do want to like right. weed out the good and the bad. So right. don't ask it from a judgmental uh, standpoint, because if you do, he's going to see straight through it. He's right. going to become defensive and right. that conversation is going to go wrong because right. he's going to ask you, well, what type of work are you putting in? And you can't just say, oh, well, I read Joyce Myers better than mine. No, that ain't no work. No, you just read a book. Because <laughs> you are you doing anything that Joyce Myers asked you to do in that book? No. No. I ain't doing nothing. Now, mind you, all this stuff goes for both women and guys. Exactly. They go both ways. But in the context of the conversation that we have, you know, um, you should not, you should not get into a relationship and the guy say to himself, he'll never say to her, but he might say to his homeboys, I worked really hard to be a good person. I worked really hard to be a good man. Is this the best? that has been offered. You don't ever want no guy saying that. I had, a, I had a person tell me that a couple of days ago. I worked really hard to be a good man. Is this it? What have you done in your singleness to make yourself better? Yeah. Wow. So the end point, work on yourself. Have people around you that are close friends, that really close friends, that can really be honest with you. You know, oh, you fine. You straight. Mm -mm. Have the person that really be like, you know, you might need to work on this. Because it's a journey, right? You can't do it again alone, right? Find ways to ask, ask the Lord to really help you become the best person you can become. Not just on the outside, that surface level stuff, stuff that don't nobody know about but you. Those hurts and those pains and those things you haven't dealt with. Find you a mentor, particularly if you're trying to be married one day, even if you're not. But if you are, find you a mentor that's been that is married. Yeah. And can yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. And those deep things that you haven't like really been healed from. Right. Those are really the things that you really, really, really need to get help with. Right. Because as right. soon as he or she do anything that reminds you of any of that hurt, that pain, it's all going to resurface. 
you're yeah. gonna explode on someone and right. vomit with your toxic right. words right. and all of that kind of stuff right. on, on an innocent person yeah. that has nothing that to do with that. Too. Yeah, I did that. I've done that before too. Yeah, you know, I did. In fact, <laughs> after my divorce, as little time went by, maybe the first few relationships, boy, I I let some of these sisters have it, boy. I'll be honest. Some of them have it, and it wasn't fair for them. Yeah, because I hadn't found the healing that I needed to have. Yeah, so some of them were casualties to my own pain. Yeah, and that wow. wasn't fair. Yeah, yeah, and that is something that is definitely like, and I think that's probably something that singles ministries need to you know really deal with. And I think the one of the main problems with singles ministry, if you're not married, you're single. But no, there are, there are different levels of single. Right. You have people who are divorced. You have people that are widowed, but we yeah. never have ministries that deal with these type of things. So yeah. you're just trying to deal with if you're not married as a whole. But I do think they need to get to the core of these people that are in there. Like, let's talk about what's really going on with right. Right. you. Right. Let's talk about that and let's work through right. that type of stuff. But, Jay, we're going to have to get you back on here, man, because. Yeah, this 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 has been really really good, dude. This has been Thank really you. really good, and you know, I ask everybody if you're out there again, go out and follow Jay. He's on Facebook. It's on the screen now, so go out and follow him. Uh, Jay, are you on Instagram too? Uh, yeah, I think I'm on Instagram, and I try to. I try. Okay, to don't follow him. If he's saying he think he on Instagram, y'all just say, uh, "No, nah, we're not gonna follow him," because that means he ain't <laughs> posting nothing worth looking at. So don't follow him. <laughs> don't, don't follow this, brother. I think oh, the last bitch I saw he posted on Instagram too. Now that I think about it, it was a cartoon character of him and his son. So no, don't follow him. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get my look, man. I gotta get my Instagram game up. You know, man, I you know, I still got that military background, that intelligence and in military. So I'm very <laughs> slow about what I put out on, on the stuff. But you know, when you got little kids telling you, you gotta get Kelly's the game game right, then I got it. Right. <laughs> well, everybody, thank y'all for watching tonight. Remember, new episodes every Monday, 7 o'clock, same place, same time. Uh, go out, follow the Dope Ass Dude podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. Check out the website. There's different blogs every Thursday. Uh, but again, Jay, thank you for coming on tonight, man. Thank you. And we are definitely going to get you back because this has been amazing. And everybody out there, go and be safe and enjoy your evening. And until next Monday, peace. Peace.